Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Joining me as always, your host, Brandon. With Nick. No, Dan, unfortunately, Nick. He is under the weather, struggling to uh, get through day-to-day life. So nothing but support for the man Dan over there as he tries to figure out what it's like being sick. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dan's, Dan's going through a little bit of the flu, we think. So he's he's not here, but was still you know man enough to to help write the script, which I which I appreciate. And um, yeah, we're we're looking forward to Brandon having a new guest to the show, uh, not for the first time this season. Right, we uh, making an you know, just like Lampard offering a lot of debuts this season, as are we. <laughs> All right, you know, keeping the the gift going. We've got Andrew Joseph joining us. Andrew, give our listeners a a brief background about who you are, what you do, and then we can get into just chatting about Chelsea. For sure. First of all. Thanks for having me on. Um, But yeah, I started following Chelsea probably back in 2011. So I was interning in London with with ESPN. Um, Their office at Disney over in London is is in Hammersmith, which is West London. Mm -hmm. Um, I was living um, in South Ken, which is off the Gloucester Road uh, tube station, which is one stop away from Fulham Broadway. My boss was a Chelsea fan. It seemed like a really easy choice. Just, you know, <laughs> I feel like every American who's like new to the, the game of soccer has like a story of how they choose their team. And no, mine was just, I was closest to Chelsea. It was either them or Fulham. And 
I feel like I made the right decision in hindsight. So glad to be glad to be on glad to be a Chelsea fan. Yeah, this is great. And you know, for a lot of, again, new to the show, a lot of our listeners. So you do a lot of sports writing, correct? Yeah, I I write for uh, it's called for the win. It's part of a US Today sports media group. And yeah, we write, you know, kind of whatever is driving the conversation in sports. So it'll be Anything from college football to NFL, NBA, international soccer, Premier League, it's really anything. So that's like our whole team is, everybody on our team is like super well-versed in sports. So it's, it's a cool situation to be in, a cool cool group to, to be working with. Yeah, clearly, Nick, their team would roll pretty much all of us in bar trivia when it comes to sports, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, I was just thinking that, like, you have a, a team full of multifaceted sports wizards who have written on every <laughs> subject. Cool. Okay. We try. Yeah. Well, I, I would feel, I'd feel good about our chances in, in Chelsea trivia, but maybe not, maybe not the full boat. Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of Chelsea trivia today, what we are going to be talking about is how Chelsea finally took back control at Stamford Bridge against the side that should have, typically would have frustrated us. Uh, we'll also talk about the blossoming of a beautiful friendship on the pitch for Reese James and Tammy Abraham. And then lastly, how Callum Hudson-Odoi performed on the day and got his first Premier League goal as well. Super, super excited. Unfortunately, since we don't have Dan, Nick, I'm going to have to ask you to do some Apple podcast reviews. I know, not in your contract, but I think you can step up on this one. Are, are we going to do the theme of today's show, Brandon? Uh, well, was there? Yeah, I, I, I have created, <laughs> I've created the theme of today's show uh, for this well-rehearsed podcast that we're doing right now is Made in Cobham. You know, the impact players from yesterday all grew up Chelsea. It kind of follows our, our little DNA series that we've been doing. It's awesome. So, Maiden and Cobham, theme of today's show. All right. Well, thank you for sharing the theme, Nick. Obviously, it's teeing up the whole episode. It is literally going to be out of Cobham. But before that, we do, as I mentioned before, have these, some Apple podcast reviews. Who are the heroes with the five-star reviews? So we have we have one who who will leave the name off of, but says that the title of the podcast says it all, which is is fair. London is blue. We all know that. Uh, we have a must for supporters from Ekron, and then Shane Holcomb with a a really cool note um, and and just talking about the start of his journey. So um, really awesome. Keep it up. Obviously, you know we're we're in a little bit more of a spaced out period now, Brandon, where we're not having a game every two or three days. It seems so. Uh, keep those coming for next week if you haven't already. Right, exactly. Uh, the fact that we do this as frequently as we do and we continue to get Apple Podcast reviews is mind-blowing. The fact that we continue to get Patreon supporters as well. Chad upping his pledge. Claire upping her pledge. We'll get you your sticker, Claire. Promise you. Do not let us sleep on it. And then welcome Bryant to the party. It has been fantastic. So much fun. I was hanging out in Discord during the match yesterday, chatting away with uh, a ton of our followers in there, and it was so much fun. We were literally, literally having a party. It was great. <laughs> oh, man. And then lastly, Nick, we do have the DNA series. It is live. It is live, 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 live. That is right. Um, so, yeah, obviously, we were super pumped to publish our, our Chelsea DNA series with Bobby Tambling, Mason Mount, Fakayo Tamori, and Aaron Cuthbert. Uh, all episodes are live. You can go watch them on YouTube. You can go listen to them wherever you get your podcasts. 
we, we would love to hear your feedback, uh, whether that's through social media or through our email. Uh, this is a, a new kind of mini series approach that we've taken to our, to our podcast. I know we typically do a lot of match reviews and mid season reviews and stuff like that, but we want to do some, some deeper storytelling. And, and we thought this might have been a, a decent, uh, attempt at that. So, uh, as you guys are, are listening, uh, please let us know how it is. And then we'll, we'll relay that feedback to the club. And for those who have been so kind on Twitter as to like share out and, and comment, you guys are the best. And it's really, uh, it's made it very worthwhile for us. So thank you. Yeah. And Andrew, I'm really good at fishing for compliments. Have you had a chance to listen to any <laughs> interviews? Uh, not yet, but I got to get on it. All right. Well, look, you got, you Sorry. got something. Denied. To... <laughs> Denied. Look, you got something to look forward to. We're excited. We want your feedback. Let us know how it is. And again, just sure. the amount of feedback we've gotten from all of you out there makes us want to continue to keep this series going. Uh, which we're really, really excited about. So keep an eye on that. But uh, lastly, we do have scars. We, I know I keep saying that it's dwindling, it's dwindling. It is. We're, we're narrowing in on the last handful that we do have. Uh, again, once Dan is back to health, we'll continue to ship those if you've sent us money. Yeah. Apologies. Um, but quick note on the Patreon folks who are in our, our $5 tier. Our new badges just came in on they Friday. They did. And they look sick. Uh, so we'll be we'll be mailing those out, obviously, over the next uh, week or so, as soon as Dan is is uh, is is well. But um, they look amazing, and we're really excited to get those out to people. Sorry about the delay. It'll be worth it. Do not worry about it. Um, all right. So you know, normally we jump right into the match review here, right? But Nick, we've got some pretty exciting news here on the women's side. Emma Hayes has now managed Chelsea women for 200 games. Fantastic. She's unbelievable and and I I know there there's a decent amount of overlap between those who, you know, ardently support the men's team and and those who follow the women's team, but uh for those who don't, uh, she is tactically uh sharp, she is funny, she's direct, uh, very very thoughtful. We've had the chance to to sit down with her off the record and just kind of talk football. She's she's as whip smart as they come and, and a super talented manager. Um, there's even been rumors of her in the past making the jump to the men's game um, because she's she's just that good. Um, but she is uh, she's now been the manager for 200 games. And Brandon, upon uh, realizing that the Chelsea women went on and just put a show on today, right? Honestly, she is super special. Chelsea fans, we are so lucky to have Emma Hayes at the club. Um, you know, I have no doubt she's a future England Linus manager. No mm-hmm. doubt about it. The fact that they, on her 200th game, pummeled Bristol 6-1, that's <laughs> just uh, the cherry on top. But uh, I tell you casual. what. Casual. It's casual. Right. Look, this team, the team she has assembled is disgusting. Bringing in Sam Kerr. <laughs> they are not messing around, and it is so, so exciting. So don't sleep on it. Make sure you watch our Aaron Cuthbert interview. She talks about the manager and how she made her feel wanted and at home right away. Like these are traits that any of us would love to have for as our manager. But um, anyways, a huge shout out to them. Let's go ahead and keep it moving. It was a match review, all right? We are doing the Burnley pod. It was a Premier League match at Stamford Bridge. It's not the same Stamford Bridge we've come to know and, and love, Andrew. Obviously, it the home form this season hasn't been exactly what we wanted to see 
But today was a huge opportunity for Frank and co to go do the business and do the business they did. Yeah, I was thinking that maybe Chelsea may be like the one team that enjoys playing Burnley because it's like the past two matches they played against them, you see players kind of bust out of a bust out a little bit of a slump because you know you had Christian Pulisic get that hat trick at Turf Moor, which was huge. And then you have Callum get his first Premier League goal against Burnley, which is usually a club that teams get frustrated playing against. You know, they're a tough team. Their style is very it's very physical and rugged to go against. And Chelsea's kind of handled them easily on on both appearances. So that that was kind of the the cool takeaway for, from that match. And finally being able to get you know, a pretty easy, consistent win at home, especially going into halftime up. And I believe, wasn't that like the first time in since August that Chelsea had a lead at home? Which is almost unheard of. Wild. It's far too long, obviously. Um, before we get into the lineups, real quick, 27th minute, William draws a penalty. Jorginho steps up to take it. A funny tweet from, I think it was Liam Toomey, who said, Jorginho, Barkley, and William all on the field at the same time. Who takes the pen? Jorginho. So we'll go ahead and run that clip right here. Can he deliver? Oh, he certainly can. And Chelsea have a precious breakthrough. The Italian from the penalty spot. And then in the 38th minute, Tammy Abraham, this goal was 100% made in Cobham. You had Callum Hudson-Odoi, lays it into open space, Reese James on the overlap, crosses it. Tammy sticks it home somehow. I don't really know how it went in. Uh, so we'll run that. It's been changed across. He's done brilliantly. And the header is in. Wow. He looks second favourite there. But he's been a bit of a scoring machine. And Chelsea cruising along thanks to Tammy Abraham. And then lastly, 49th minute capping off the perfect day. Callum Hudson-Odoi gets his first Premier League goal. Ball in the box in blue shirts towards Abraham. And then coming in on this near side. It's a big, big moment for Callum Hudson-Odoi. It's his first Premier League goal. And his performance has deserved it for the teenager. The man of the moment. All right. And when now we get into the lineup, Nick, we've got, we've had a lot of games, right? We've had uh, uh, a lot of minutes on some heavy legs. What we played three at the back, we played four at the back. What did Frank decide to do against Burnley t- this weekend? Well, I think we reverted a little bit to form, a little bit of, you know, I don't, I don't know it because it was a little uh, amorphous at times, but it's set up like a 4 3 3. Uh, Kepa in the back, Reese James, Andreas Christensen getting another shot after his his good FA Cup performance. Antonio Rudiger uh, comes in for Fakayo Tamori and Cesar Espilicueta at left back um, because he's our best left back. <laughs> Ross Barkley continuing to get a shout due to injury and maybe just due to some decent performances as of late. Jorginho, Mason Mount make up the midfield. Calum Hudson-Odoi on the right, Tammy Abraham in the middle, and Willian on the left cutting in on his uh, his dangerous right foot. I tell you what, it's uh, pretty interesting um, when we get these lineups. Frank's mi- mixed it up a little bit, hasn't he, Andrew? It's, uh, again, we played three at the back, played four at the back. I personally want four at the back so we can put as many attackers going forward. Um, thoughts on the lineup, at least when you saw it maybe originally? Yeah, it really has been a guessing game when, when it comes to the match-by-match the, the match lineups that Frank's been putting out. I think with Pulisic hurt, it kind of puts him in a position where he needs to make adjustments with how he's going to go on the attacking edge, especially when you know you have Ross, uh, Ross Barkley coming in 
on midfield, which you know, I don't think he's played in a Premier League match and it's it's felt like a long time. So I think uh seeing Barkley on there, I saw it as maybe it would light a fire for Barkley and give him having the opportunity, he'd he'd jump at it. I was happy once again to see Reese James in the lineup because he's been playing amazingly. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I, I was I was pretty pleased with the lineup overall when you saw it. But then I think looking at the subs, that was where it was it was going to be confused about how how Frank was going to look at his attacking options, and then ended up he not even using a sub all game. So it was it was unusual lineup when you're looking at the substitutions before the match started, but then. You no, know, it, it kind of played out not even relevant as it went on. You know what I mean? Yeah, this this was the first first time that we've had a week to prepare for a match in what, almost a month, right? If not longer. Was, yeah, I think it was pre Spurs, maybe, a handful of weeks ago. Regardless, yeah, the subs bench didn't matter, even though you had the likes of Mateo Kovacic and Batshuayi and Tamori and uh, Emerson and, and Kurt Zuma and Pedro. Uh it, it didn't matter because he didn't use them. Just flat out denied. Yeah, got to yeah, sit in the cold all night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, a, a huge name missing. All you know, Ali Giroud not on there. I think he's as good as gone. With the reports linking mm-hmm. him to Italy, makes sense. Uh, but just something to look at. Obviously, Christian Pulisic was out injured. Uh, he, he said something about like an abductor tendon injury. That sounds so painful. Okay, yeah. like every time you breathe, that thing is going to be giving you issues. Um, so n- not sure when he's going to be back. And then unfortunately, N'Golo Kante out with the muscle issue. Hopefully he'll be back, um, you know, in a week's time or so. But, you know, a couple of, well, Christian, they knew they weren't going to have. Kante was more of a last-minute snub, unfortunately. Uh, and then to your point, gentlemen, about the substitutions, at Chelsea Chatter said zero. Chelsea FC had not made a substitution in a match for the first time since the Europa League final in May of 2013. That ends a run of 366 games. It, it, again, it's just something weird to kind of think about because, again, 90 minutes, you're up 3 nothing. This is like the recipe for getting people a break. Nick, I know you tweeted about it, the fact that some of these guys could use a rest, but Frank wasn't having any of it. Yeah, it was odd, you know, because, and, and this is, again, uh, a pretty significant reason why I am not the manager of Chelsea Football Club, but my my logic pattern would have said, you know, a guy like Mason Mount, a guy like William, uh, a guy like Tammy Abraham have all played, you know, even Dave have all played really significant minutes this year. Um, and even with a week off, which I'm sure was welcome compared to playing a game what seemed like every day over the, over the last handful of weeks, uh, you would have thought that those guys could have used a little bit of a, a breather, um, especially with, you know, even Pedro or Kovacic or, or any of these other guys that were on the bench. So I, I would have you know, personally thrown them on once the game was 3-0 because, you know, Burnley were clearly not going to come back from from 3-0 down. So very interesting, but I think it might, you know, after some really up and down performances, the only thing I could think is like Frank was just going to dance, uh, dance with the with the guys that, that were playing well. And, and he clearly uh, ignored uh, everybody on the bench, uh, maybe for lack of consistency. Yeah, yeah kind of interesting, especially as you run down the stat line. Chelsea, by all looks of it, were in control of this match. 18 shots to Burnley, 7, 8 on target to their 2, 66% possession. 
just bossing it there. Um, they had three cautions. We didn't have any, which, well, you know, maybe that's good. Maybe weren't physical enough. It didn't really matter today, thankfully. Uh, and then when you look at the XG from at Kaylee underscore graphics, Chelsea two plus one for the penalty, Burnley point three, right? So taking care of business, doing the job at hand. But as we dive into this a little bit more, Andrew, this match didn't go according to plan or, well, it didn't follow the current trend that you know Chelsea have been on recently. Um, home fixtures have been a bit of a pain in the ass, unfortunately for us in the Premier League. So against a side that was comfortable letting us have the ball and stalling from the first minute, um, how did Frank and the team, how, how do you feel they approach this game? What was your eye test to be like, hey, this is what Chelsea set out to do today and how they got it done? Well, I was when I was watching the game, I, I, it really stood out to me about how how Reese James and Cesar Aspilicueta were able to you know, find themselves in space, you know, go in the corner and get crosses in front of the goal. And it worked out well for two of the goals and then obviously the the penalty that William drew. But I think that that was my main takeaway about I think Frank is really emphasizing, you know, getting the ball in front of the, in front of the net, throwing it in the box and trying to make things happen, especially when you have, you know, the height and the size of, of Tammy Abraham, you can go out in the air and, you know, get his head on the ball. And we saw it play out, play, play out in his goal. And then luckily he wasn't able to get a touch on it for Callum's goal because I would have, you know, negated it with an offside. I feel like he missed it by like maybe an inch, which was lucky. But no, it was good to see, good to see uh, both Reese and Aspie get get involved in the offensive game for sure, and it, it paid off big time in that. Yeah, I was I was going to mention. I, I think the thing that stuck out to me, Brandon, and as you were probably watching this from from the tactical point of view too, it it was more of a swarm of bees up front than it was the methodical stagnant, you know, displays that we've seen at home, uh, over the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, I think a huge credit to Mason Mount for, for buzzing in and out of channels, creating his own space, uh, something that we saw him do at the beginning of the season. He was super effective. And I, I think there was a clear emphasis, um, based on what Frank was saying, post-match that they they had to find different ways to break down this block nine. Uh, we knew that Burnley were going to play that, um, and it was up to the team to to create their own luck, create their own space. And, and that was what I noticed that was a huge difference compared to how we played against Southampton or how we played against Bournemouth or West Ham or any of those terrible teams that we lost to um, <laughs> back in back in November and December. So I just think, you know, in, in addition to some really good performances from from the likes of Callum and Reese and Tammy, uh, guys like Ross and, and Mason both really stepped up and broke the lines, which is, is huge. Right. I mean, a couple of his changes were forced, but I feel like a Barkley into the midfield over Kovacic, that was, that seems to be more tactical. Um, I feel like, the team, as you set up, the team was on the press from the beginning. They knew that Burnley were going to take their sweet time. They knew that Burnley were going to sit back. And so we had to go and press them. And like you said, they they did that. Um, I, again, it's <laughs> yeah, I was in our Discord chat, right? And everyone's just like, oh, Barkley, what the hell are we doing? And then all of a sudden you're like, all right, you know what? Ross isn't the worst thing in the world today. He's he's putting in a shift. Uh, and I saw plenty of tweets on that too. You know, people 
pleasantly surprised at the shift that Barkley put in. And, you know, kind of the way I summed it up was, it's not like we don't like Ross Barkley. We just don't like that we don't always get the best version of Ross. We've seen how good he can be, right? We've seen him score from outside the box. We've seen him get in between the lines and run at defenders and be able to slot people in. We just want to see more of that. And maybe it was the perfect storm today, but we definitely got to see an upgraded Ross the Boss Barkley today that we hadn't seen in quite a while. So again, you know, do you continue to give him minutes because he's in a good run of form? Is this situational that, hey, he can only play when we do lower opposition and they're sitting deep and we need someone, you know, we don't need two holding mids with Kovacic and Georgina. We actually need two people who, uh, you know, can get forward and run the line. It's it's interesting. It, it is interesting because, you know, part of the thing that we looked at, uh, I think, a couple of weeks ago um, and maybe even against Brighton, you know, if Mason, if Mason's going to be charged to run around and create pockets of space and pass the ball quickly so that he can pass and move, we need the other side of the midfield to carry the ball forward at times. Mm-hmm. Ross can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thing that I found myself saying, Andrew, during the game was between Ross and between Reese and 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 guys that are are big strong characters in this team and you know I'd consider Rudiger one of those as well even though he's a little a little more of a, a string bean uh build wise there there were some tanks on the field yesterday and and I know everyone's kind of been on this on this Reese Reese is a tank bandwagon if you look at Reese and Ross next to each other Ross is bigger <laughs> like and and there there are times where you know the uh Burnley uh, midfield were trying to foul him out of the out of out of a passing move or out of him carrying the ball forward, and he just kind of casually shrugged him off. So I think his physicality was super important yesterday against a Burnley team that just aren't very good. Yeah, like you said, I think that's part of the reason why we saw him in the lineup. I think um, Burnley has that reputation of being you know, a physical, defensive-minded team, and to combat that, you have to have guys who can can take that physicality. So you know, Reese James is obviously a player who's built. He's built to go against that. And then Barkley as well. He's you know, he's a Premier League veteran. He's been around. And so to be able to to go against Burnley, I think that I think that probably played into the role that we saw Barkley making an appearance for the first time in what felt like a couple months in the Premier League. Well, and it helped that he had two wingers pushing the line as well, getting in the attack with William and uh Callum Hudson Adoy. And so if you look at their positioning and their roles in the team today, Nick, they were very positive. They were looking to beat defenders. They were looking to get to the end line and uh, put in, you know, a dangerous cross or or run at people. And I think that's a huge help as well. I mean, if Ross, every time he got it looked up, only had Tammy Abraham against their center backs, that's going to be a long day at the office for him. The fact that, um, you know, we had... William in, in Hudson Adoy running on the flanks. I think that was a big part of the recipe for success today too. Much like Brighton, although we didn't we didn't capitalize on this. If they're going to give you space on the wings, you have to make them fearful that doing that is going to cause them a disadvantage. And then because Reese and Callum and William were having such a positive uh, attacking day, it drew it drew uh, Burnley out wider. Right, which I think created more space for the likes of Tammy or Ross or Mason to kind of plug the, the central area a little bit more. Uh, it it was a 
you know, I, I want to talk about Callum, you know, in, in a bit because he's going to be kind of our third major point. But just the overall attacking pace of play, the pace of the passing today was so much better than we've seen in, in, a, in a handful of matches. You know, I'd say like we were really sharp against Tottenham. Um, we were kind of sharp against Arsenal in the second half, but we haven't seen that pace of passing in a long time. And I think it makes a huge difference. Um, not only do you have Mason and Jorginho able to play quick one twos and, and kind of free up space, but then, you know, Reese and Callum were having a really good passing day. And then William and Aspie were able to exchange effectively. And then Mason would drop in over there and they would create their own triangles. And Andrew, I think the, the, point that I would make is the the pace of passing drew or, or confused Burnley a little bit where, you know, they, they're not the quickest team. They wanted to sit back uh, and absorb a lot of the pressure. So I, I think that was just a huge part of the success today. Yeah, it was, it was like a, a much needed good performance from Mason Mount. I think he definitely bounced back, especially in the, in the second half where he's on making a real, a real influence on, on the pacing of pacing the game. And it, and it paid off in terms of, of how Burnley was able to respond to it, and when you have when you have Mason really active in the midfield, I think it it opens everything up for for the wings, and especially helps get Tammy involved too. So I, I feel like Mason had a recently has had a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a slump on his turn, especially at how he started the season, just scoring goals. So it was good to see him heavily involved and making things happen. You know, Mason's been in and out of the lineup a little bit recently. Yeah. Uh, people saying what is his best role uh we definitely got to see it today uh and he was a little bit deeper right he was in an actual midfield three uh but you know again having mason and ross pressing the front line was a huge advantage um and it also opened up the fact that you know reese james and aspilicueta had a ton of space on the overlap as well which they were getting heavily involved and we'll talk a little bit more about it. But obviously, um, it would be unfair if we didn't at least address the fact that VAR uh, going our way more or less today. Um, the penalty was a penalty. Ridiculous commentating in the U.S. The fact that it was Williams' fault that the defender ran into him. Uh, I think we can all <laughs> laugh that off as silliness. Um, but again, overall, uh, it it's it seemed to click today for one reason or another. Tony Gale was was tough to listen to. Um, that was that was not not my favorite commentary team. I'll, I'll say that. But um, yeah, I mean we've had a little bit of VAR luck. But we're, you know when you look at the overall, you know how they're doing like the VAR standings in the Premier League now and yeah. like where decisions are going. We're I don't think we're even back to to level yet. So you know it's. You know, it's not it's not as if, you know, to coin Dan's phrase, Andrew, it's not as if we've used all of our loyalty points in the VAR in the VAR system yet. Hopefully, you know, we, we have a little bit of luck going our way. Yeah, like you mentioned, I saw the, the VAR standings, too. And I think what Chelsea was still fourth and basically the same separation from fifth that they're currently in. So it's not like not like you can say Chelsea's whole season has benefited or not benefited based on VAR but I did think it was funny especially with the U.S. broadcast about how you would get the sense by listening to him that you'd expect that penalty to get overturned and then it was like confirmed in like five seconds Mm -hmm. let's let's speed it up let's make him simple it's supposed to be clear and obvious errors it's not happening we've seen some interesting VAR calls on the weekend Uh, uh, Aubameyang getting sent off Uh, Trent Alexander or, or no Robertson not getting sent off 
what are you going to do, right? When and it's all said and done, it's it's laughable, but at least it didn't disrupt our match too too much, which is good. Um, but it, it, as we move on, um, I know we covered a lot of players in, in the first topic, but we really want to take time out to highlight, spotlight Reese James, who had another cross to find our number nine, Tammy Abraham, that put us ahead two nil at the time. Uh, look, Andrew, Reese James' inclusion in the side, he was so attacking, he was so adventurous, and honestly, it it connected with him and Tammy. It was great to see. Yeah, it's almost like like what took Frank so long to to kind of get Reese those kinds of minutes because I feel like every single time he he gets action, he's made things happen. He's looked really good both on the defensive side and then when he gets involved in the attack, he's able to really connect with Tammy. I think their their chemistry is some of the best on the entire team. So it, it's great to see him one being in a starting eleven and then two actually like proving his worth and his quality and i think the more this goes forward i think that's what will give frank even more confidence to give reese james those those minutes because i think he deserves it and it's good to see it now happening in january because when you look at the schedule in february it's like an absolute gauntlet so to Mm -hmm. have to have reese coming into the form like that during the the bulk of the season that's one going to be the toughest and two um when a lot of players kind of hit that wall in February, um, it's good to see it all kind of coming together right now. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think w- whereas Reese had a few defensive lapses in, in his first handful of starts, which is, is totally understandable, I think he's he's really been solid lately defensively. And then, you know, when, when you don't have to worry about any mishaps on, on the defensive side, uh, because Burnley don't really attack at all, <laughs> um, then, then you could just get to watch him uh, create tapestries on the offensive side, Brandon. I mean, how many crosses did he put in yesterday where you're like, Oh, Oh, that's, mm-hmm. that's good. Like, I, I mean, every, it seemed like every one, uh, and he only completed three. We'll go through his stat line here in a second, but it felt like every cross was dangerous. It felt like, you know, Tammy was super unlucky not to put that low, that low ball across the box in for a goal. Um, you know, there there were a handful where you're like, "Good lord!" I mean, they they you know the team still needs to catch up to the pace of of the ball, um, but when they do, he's he's gonna have 10, 12 assists in a year. I mean, that's how that's how good he can be. Yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, like you said, there's so it, it's kind of like when Clayton was on the pod, right? And he was like craning, he'd be in the states of the stadium, craning his neck, trying to head it in himself. I mean, we had so many of those moments today where they were just getting into such dangerous positions. Um, and we, we've we seen it. Like, we, I watched the Liverpool-Spurs match. The way that Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson cross the ball early and into dangerous space is so enviable. And look, Aspilicueta on the left isn't going to put in these kind of crosses. But we can get it with Reese. He will put it in early. He will put that bend on it that puts it in a dangerous area so the goalkeeper can't come get it. Like, I mean, Andrew, it's to me, it's this is the kind of stuff that you love seeing, uh, you know, especially from a right back, because he's essentially an offensive weapon, yet he can still do the business, has so much energy to get back when we need him to. Uh, but look, he, he here's his day in summation, right? Reese James. For Chelsea versus Burnley, 92 touches, 48 of 59 passes completed. 
He won possession seven times. He completed three of his crosses. He had three shots, created three chances, had two tackles and assists. For a right back, that's a pretty good day out. Yeah, I mean, that's that's almost as good as it gets just to have, even be involved in play that much, you know, to have to attempt 59 passes to touch the ball 92 times. It's huge. And I think that we saw with, with Lampard's postgame comments, I mean, he w- he was impressed with how Reese performed in that. And it's the kind of versatility that he offers to be able to, to like you mentioned, be so involved on the attack, but also be able to get back on defense and still you know, do it, do a solid job of, you know, helping that clean sheet happen. So it's, it's exactly kind of what you see and the chemistry that he has with the attacking players has, has been huge. And, you know, when you have a guy like Tammy Abraham, who has the size to get up there and get those crosses. It only makes Reese more dangerous when he gets involved on attack because he can find somebody at the end of those to connect with it. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you have Naz tweeting, uh, a quote from Lampard on Reese James saying, quote, he has got a great, great delivery of a cross. Good on the ball physically as well. This is just the start for him. With the way we play, the fullbacks are huge for us, end quote. So obviously Nick Lampard teeing up how how excited he is for Reese James to break through. Liam Toomey tweeting that Chelsea have delivered 126 crosses from open play in their last five home games, 24 alone against Burnley. <laughs> Two of the three that of those crosses that resulted in goals were delivered by Reese James to the head of Tammy Abraham, which is fantastic, which is the whole Maiden Cobham theme, which is you know what we talked about. And then obviously the last one from Opta Joe, 13. Tammy Abraham scored 13 Premier League goals for Chelsea this season. Frank Lampard is the only Englishman to score more in a single campaign in the competition for the club on three separate occasions. Man, what a good luck, Tammy. That's all I got to say, man. Good <laughs> luck. I would hate to be there when you break the record and Frank has to hand that over. <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, I think the the point about Reese, and I, and I think it's super important, is he looks competent, confident. He looks calm. He looks like a guy who belongs and then, you know, add to the fact that he's pinching into the midfield when we do have width, when Cal is spread out wide as to not just crowd that space and, and able to provide that kind of steep cross that you mentioned earlier, um, that, that ball that's ahead of play. I mean, that's super dangerous. And, and I think he just deserves a lot of credit for, for growing and adapting to the Premier League injury. I mean, this is a guy, um, you know, who to me, might have just as bright a future as Callum or Tammy or or Mason. He's he's that good. Yeah, it's almost like the the transfer ban was the best thing that could happen to Chelsea, just because you're finally seeing those young players getting getting that experience, and then also getting the ability to you know make some mistakes early, play through it, and learn from it. I think the the Chelsea teams of old didn't really have that kind of leeway to their young players or when they had the opportunities, they had such a short leash, but now you're able to see, see what happens when, when Reese is able to, you know, play through his slow start earlier in the season and then able to really, you know, make, make that kind of influence. And now when you have those matches coming up, they're you know huge matches. You have that kind of confidence that's showing with results on the field. And then, you know, he's even building more chemistry with, with Tammy, building more chemistry 
with Callum, and it, it's it's definitely showing off big time right now. It sure is. We're actually going to go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, thank you to the sponsor for supporting the show financially. Um, and when we're back, we're going to talk about oi, 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 Hudson Nadoi, because, man, did he have a great day out as well. All right, here we go. All right, Nick, Hudson Adoy time. The Chelsea youth product scores his first Premier League goal for Chelsea and didn't make life easy for Burnley today. He, as they say, was up for it. What did he showcase in this match to you uh, that maybe we hadn't seen from him in, in some of his earlier season cameos? Yeah, I, this was a really good day for him. I mean, obviously, he has a massive opportunity with Pulisic on the sidelines for uh, for a handful of weeks now to really show what he can do and and inject some real life and competition into the wings. Um, he looked super confident, um, you know, whereas I, w- I would say in some of his cameo performances it, during the fall, he looked kind of like a shell of himself, um, probably adjusting from injury and all that stuff. He just looked super confident, looked like he was, you know, the best player on the pitch at times yesterday. Uh, his passes were sharp. His movement was sharp. He was trying little tricks all over the pitch. Um, th- this was a, you know, this is what I expect from Callum Hudson Adoy. He is capable of what he did yesterday and a hell of a lot more. So, if, you know, Andrew, if we if we see this guy over the next, you know, let's call it four or six weeks, uh, you know, Christian is going to have a real big job to to get back into the side. I think. Yeah, like like you were saying, I think that was kind of a huge thing when when it was announced that Pulisic was going to be out for maybe four plus weeks with, with his injury, like that's opportunity for, for Callum to, to go in and make, make a difference. And then you saw like, I think with Christian, he's been probably the player when he gets the ball, he immediately looks to go down downhill, most attacking oriented player just with his mindset. And then we saw a lot of those similarities today with Callum, you know, he got the ball and he was a ready to turn and go towards goal and then show some skill and confidence when he had the ball. That's the kind of thing that was kind of missing from Callum in his other appearances this year. But now we finally, maybe he's gotten the sense that one, you know, this is kind of an opportunity for him to take advantage of Pulisic's absence, maybe secure a spot. Cause you know, if, if he's able to keep up that form going forward, then it's honestly going to be tough for Pulisic to, to work his way back in, which is, Unfortunate as a you know a U.S. soccer fan, but it's opportunity for Callum to to kind of make that make that influence um, going forward. Right. I mean, selection headaches is the dream for Frank, and <laughs> and, and he seems more than happy to take them head on. If anything, I think Frank's been a little too cutthroat. But anyways, um, Naz again with the quote from Lampard on Callum says, quote, for Callum to score in the six-yard box is even more exciting than to score from 35 yards, end quote, um, which, let's be honest, Frank, we were much more excited watching you score from 35 than five out. Uh, but also, opted Joe, 2002, Callum, at 19 years, 65 days, is the youngest player to score their first Premier League goal for Chelsea since Carlton Cole did it against Middlesbrough in April 2002. 18 years, 100 nights. So literally, as Callum is being born, was the last time we had a teenager <laughs> score for Chelsea. And then, Nick, I Crazy. forget, Callum is a teenager. I know. I always I know. forget that. I know. Well, I, I think I think we're skewed a little bit because we saw him last season, right? And we we didn't see Mason or Tammy or, um, or Reese, you know. 
you know, all these guys who are, who are 21, 20, 19 years old. Um, so if, it feels to me like because we saw Callum last year that we, you know, he, he's the elder statesman of the group almost, but, but he's definitely not. Um, you know, again, for him to open his Premier League account yesterday, I had to go back and think, did he not score in the Premier League last year? Cause he, he went on that tear of form, but it was, it was in the cup competitions that I think he was, he was scoring. I think it was the FA Cup and and the Europa League, um, but but we know what he's capable of. If if he gets back to health and he's able to trust his Achilles, this is a guy uh, that that is super dangerous. And uh, you know, I think again, it, it would be super encouraging. You know, like you mentioned, Brandon, to me, if I if I were Frank Lampard and I brought in Callum Hudson Odoi, I brought in Andreas Christensen, I brought in Ross Barkley, and you know, whereas we haven't seen substitutes or, or you know, his his selection go in you know incredibly right over the last few months, these guys came in and put on real shows. Um, they they made it. They're they're going to make it difficult for his for his next match uh, to select the right team. So I found that to be incredibly encouraging, and and hopefully, you know, a little bit more time between matches is giving them time to set up properly uh, and get the get the game plan in. Right. I mean, I think the last time we had a week to prepare, we lost to one of the lower league lower table teams as well. So this is great to see. Obviously, Andrew, I'm not a proponent or a supporter or try to encourage Nick on some of these things, but uh look, assist Pilaqueta is a thing. I can't ignore yes. it. Woo. I don't support it, but <laughs> it happened. Aspie back on the assist sheet. Yeah. And like I was saying earlier, I mean he almost lost the goal if Tammy was able to get get his head on it but no it's good to see Espelicueta get involved and then the more more gifts Nick can tweet the better so well that's I right I don't know about that yeah I'm gonna encourage I'm gonna encourage the fun I love it my man um I I think I think it's Espelicueta is is back and and that's really great for everybody I think everyone agrees it's a tremendous catchphrase or nickname for for our captain um that's a hundred percent uh approval but but i mean if if i'm serious about this it it was interesting because we know that dave isn't left-footed right he's he's playing on the left because he he needed uh or lampard needed solidity on on the left and he's he's the best left back we have um so it's interesting because he does brandon switch over to his right foot and deliver a more diagonal cross uh instead of going across the face of goal and that allowed uh that allowed uh Callum to get on the end of it because he lost his man at the back post mm-hmm. yeah I mean I when I when the replays came through I was like oh he's yeah. gonna be off sides again VAR going in our favor um he was very much on sides but right place right place at the right time um good anticipation you know assuming that the ball make it to him uh it was just it, yeah, it, it was great to see him inside, you know, at, at top of the six, poaching, ready to go. And then for him to react nice and quick to, you know, that it's a tough ball, you know, coming in. He's able to stay uh, over it so that the ball, you know, he doesn't sky it like Human Song did against Liverpool. <laughs> it, it was a good goal. And well, it, it's got to be a huge confidence our, booster for him. Bo- both of our fullbacks had assists yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like I know that, you know, everyone is high on Reese and his crossing ability and, and rightfully so. But 
if, if Azpeak and occasionally Andrew put in an assist or, or get forward in, into dangerous areas and, and make the opposition think about him as a threat, it probably does uh, a hell of a lot of good for, uh, for our wingers to free up a little bit. Well, yeah, it, it has to make everything easier when you have both, a, both your left and right back are able to go in and make crosses and have that influence on attack. It only makes things, makes things more difficult for that position. So I think, it's, I think it's huge to see both of them get involved like that. And against a against a club that's usually pretty good at defending the situation, so to have it work out at Stanford Bridge, finally able to get an easy home win, uh, I think just to have both those players involved is, is pretty huge. And for you, for for the gifts too, I'm still I'm still about this Cispilaqueta. I'm on board, so <laughs> I'm not going to hate on it. Well, I am happy. Happy to hear from our listeners what they think about this assist Pilaqueta thing. We'll have to see, Nick. Uh, well, the, the tweet got a lot of love, so I, again, I feel pretty confident. Um, <laughs> just a a quick penny for Andreas Christensen's thoughts today. I mm-hmm. I thought he played incredibly well. He was physical. He was dynamic in the air. He, you know, of course, reading the game, branded is is a strong suit of his in terms of where you know where to go with the ball. Almost that you know telekinetic power that he has to understand where the play is going, but a guy that has been on the outs all season, uh, hadn't been in the team for a long time, played well in the FA Cup, played well again today. As Lampard looks for what needs to be his his solid center back pairing, it's interesting that he's now being brought back in because you know clearly we've had issues with all of our center backs this year giving up you know sloppy uh, goals and things like that. So. I just I'm I'm pumped for him because I know he hasn't had it easy this year and he's come in with really good performances the last two weeks. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was actually kind of surprised Burnley weren't more of a nuisance going forward. But to be fair, they did score off a corner off a set piece, which was ruled offsides. Um, they were right at the beginning of the game. Christensen couldn't get to Barnes. They hit a long ball to Barnes. He flicked it on and they got in. Thankfully. Rudiger did enough just to to force the attacker to shoot high and wide, but I the I don't know like the way that Calvert Lewin bodied us up against Everton and was such a hassle. I thought that was the play for Burnley, and they just didn't do it. I I think that Ashley Barnes wasn't up, and I think that was the problem. Yeah, well, very true, and and I know so because of that, yeah, Christensen was definitely much more. Uh, just confident and solid today. But I think that he takes the manager's comments from public to heart and he knew he had to go prove himself. This was literally an opportunity for him to go um, cement himself. Is is like, hey, I want more game time. I should do better. Now, personally, I still think that he's not top two and he's a good backup center back. But with all the games we're playing, Andrew, we're going to need to rotate. We're going to need to to cycle through it can't be zuma and rudiger or zuma and fick every and rudiger every single time we we need depth there yeah definitely especially finally able to get kind of a break between matches it's good to to give everybody experience and give give them time to kind of get that confidence back because center backs had been struggling before so to have christensen have a good match was huge yeah 
And and like you said, I mean, it's going to be it, – it can't be the same two guys uh, playing center back every single match. I mean, it's that's not feasible. So so to be able to go in there and give give Christensen an opportunity to prove to prove his worth in in what was a pretty big match, especially with Manchester United only but five points back now. So that that was big. And mm-hmm. I think going forward, we're going to see more of that rotation with, with Frank's lineups. Yeah, it's it's an it's it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. And and you look at the you know I think Andrew, you mentioned the the February fixture schedule, and that's clearly been on my <laughs> mind recently. For those who have listened to the pod, is like we have to win January. <laughs> we have to. I mean, we have uh, Bayern Munich, United, Tottenham, Munich, and and if you if you count Arsenal as a tough game anymore, they're <laughs> right before the February schedule. I I don't count. Well, I mean, all of our games are tough apparently, but teams yeah. that are not in the top ten are are a little bit overlooked in my <laughs> mind. So I mean, it, it, you look at maybe Andreas playing in a Champions League match. You look at him, you know in our FA cup run, you know, I think he still has a huge role to play this season. If he can play like he did yesterday and body up some bigger, stronger attackers, read the game, pass the ball out. He's clearly him and Fick are the, are the two on the ball that you're most confident in, in terms of their passing ability. Um, and, and that to me is a huge part of how quickly we moved the ball yesterday. I thought that was huge. Yeah, no, I tend to agree with that too. Um, and so, you know, chalk it up. Lampard looks like he made the right decisions from a personnel standpoint. He uh, made some changes, but it all worked out. So it's really, I don't think anyone has any complaints at this point. Um, w- now, we didn't do a Dan of the Match poll. All right. Dan's been struggling. All right. If you guys can tweet <laughs> at him and just give him well wishes of feeling better, like this has been a multi day struggle for him. Um, so instead of our day in the match, poll, we just went ahead and grabbed the club's man of the match poll. And just to see what we thought of this. So they had Reese James, Callum Hudson-Odoi, William, and Tammy Abraham. And the runaway winner was Reese James of all people. Uh, Andrew thoughts. Did they miss anyone? Is that the right answer? What do you think? I think, I think Reese would be the, would probably be the player that player of the match. I think Callum also deserved consideration. And he got some there with 21%. I think just because it's hard, sometimes it's difficult to to remember that Callum's coming off what six months he tore his Achilles and he he's already back in action, which is kind of ridiculous to think about. It's also probably pretty nice to be 19 years old and be able to heal that quickly. But <laughs> but yeah, to have him finally be able to get his first Premier League goal would have been was pretty big for me. So I feel like that. That probably deserves some consideration, but when you look at what Reese James was able to do throughout throughout the match, what we talked about with you know 90, 92 passes attempted and completed like a huge percentage of those, and then being able to have an assist, get so involved w- with the with the attack, and then playing solid defense, I think he was deserving of of that fifty four percent in the prize of man of the match. Yeah. Yeah, I actually I disagree with the the listings yeah. here based on performances yesterday. I know a lot of people agree with this, but I would have taken William and Tammy out um and I would have replaced them with with Andreas and and with Mason. Uh I thought they were super dynamic in the way that we moved the ball and uh were you know obviously you could have thrown Jorginho in there as well. I think he's a, a really solid shout but um, but yeah, I was I was very impressed with Andreas, and I know that he kind of took a backseat to the other storylines that were happening uh, with the with the main com Cobham theme. But 
Um, he's he's still kind of loosely associated with that group, and and I I think he played really well. Yeah, I mean, Andres was kind of made in Cobham too, a little bit. Um, Ish. But the problem with that, though, and Nick, they're putting in the grind. They're putting in the the kind of unsung hero work, and like credit to you for calling them out. But like from a man of the match poll, like that is always going to get overlooked every single day. Uh, for they had a clean sheet, they had a clean sheet. They got to put up the numbers. They're going to get those top four. I get it. I'm just saying, like typically, you know, those are the types of players in play, especially Mason, um, that go kind of overlooked. But I think in the locker room, the manager is going to give a ton of praise for the midfield today and, and what they brought to it. So I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I, I want to clear that up real quick. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it's it's very easy for them to uh, to be overlooked in those situations. So, um, all right. Well, as we look at it, the league table, uh, Man City are currently thrashing. Who are they playing? Yeah, see a Villa. Um, so the it's table five nil as it stands. <laughs> Liverpool with a match in hand on 61 False. points. It's 6 it's 6 nil now. Oh, okay. So that's <laughs> happening. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool 21 played 61 points top of the table. City uh 22 played 47 points. Leicester uh down to third, all right? City have now overtaken Leicester City uh, after they lost to Southampton this weekend on 45 points. Chelsea in fourth on 39 points. United are fifth on 34 points. That's where Andrew's saying we have a five-point gap. Thankfully, still there. They won, so we had to win. Uh, and our goal difference is, is essentially even, so something to keep care of. Sheffield United back up to sixth. Wolves seventh. Spurs down to eighth. Palace ninth. Uh, Arsenal 10th. Everton 11. Southampton 12. Newcastle 13. Brighton 14. Burnley 15. West Ham 16. Watford 17. Villa 18. Bournemouth 19, Norwich 20. That, that, I mean, that's the table as it stands. It's not pretty. It's not great uh, for some of those teams. But the fact, yeah, <laughs> I know. We're still holding on to top four. It's in our grasp. It's in our clench. We just can't lose it. So um, that's that's where we stand. That's where we're at. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. It was great to uh, make another connection out there in the world of sports in Chelsea uh we really really appreciate it so yeah just yeah. a huge thank you yeah thank you for having me on it's a lot of fun where, where can people find you on twitter man um i'm at andy joseph the o is a zero um uh, because my name's so common so i had to go with that <laughs> but but yeah if you follow me there you'll find me on twitter i tweet about chelsea i tweet about everything in sports so if you're well versed in all kinds of sports uh feel like you won't hate following me too much that's perfect obviously we'll retweet and get some stuff out there um thank you guys happy to nick also thanks for showing up and hanging out with us today but chelsea fans that's gonna wrap it up for this episode let us know what we missed in the comments hit us up on social media via email if you want to scarf you want to join patreon whatever it may be let's not let the conversation die we've got a lot to talk about after this one thankfully should be all positive but obviously there still is the transfer window which we didn't even touch on this episode strategically so but until next time chelsea fans you know what to do Keep the blue flag flying high.